1: Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 22, which begins with Bubba Zanetti approaching the Station Master, and it ends with the Station Master bringing the gang to meet their friend who's come in on the train. So, considering that we start off this minute with Johnny the Boy patting down Toe Cutter's hair some more, I figured this might be a good time to talk about the actor Tim Burns. So, Tim Burns... Has a top four on IMDb, like everybody else I've brought up so far. His number one, Mad Max. (laughs) Number two, he played in 1982's Monkey Grip, where he played a character named Martin. Number three, he was in The Chain Reaction in 1980, which might sound familiar because our good friend David Brax was in The Chain Reaction as well. Um, Tim Burns played Survey Driver, another, you know unnamed role speaking of unnamed roles his number four in his top four is stations 1983 where he's credited as actor (laughs) so he tim burns was pretty active on the large and small screens from about 1978 to 1992 and in that span of time he racked up 21 acting credits Um, despite having plenty of named roles, it's kind of a shame that his top four doesn't include any of the films where he was actually given a named character to play. Mm -hmm. Like, there there are a couple.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure how they choose what goes on the top four. I'm sure it's probably by the success of the movie itself. Yeah. But, I don't know, maybe it should be more on you know the quality of the role yeah although being an unnamed actor in a movie doesn't mean that it's less of a quality part
1: yeah i hear what you're saying
0: so i don't know
1: yeah there is a bit of imdb trivia about tim burns and it has to do specifically with a scene that we have at the very end of the movie um where it talks about how he was so into character that he annoyed everybody on the set and so they just left him chained to a wrecked truck one day while everybody else went out to lunch and we got the sense from the behind the scenes um
0: he did seem kind of above everybody else in the gang yeah yeah
1: he definitely but we got the sense from the behind the scenes special that Pretty much everybody in that gang was very, very intense and annoyed the crew. Um, there is going to be a long stretch next week without any dialogue or anything like that. So we're definitely going to get into a lot of the, the cast hijinks. Mm-hmm. This is going to be specifically where they're wrecking up the Chevy. But they uh, they did quite a lot to distress other actors, crew members... All sorts of people. It's it's a, it's a fun story to recount, and I'm sure it probably wasn't that fun to go through it, but <clears throat> Tim Burns was all a part of that.
0: Uh, so is it is it Bubba and Starbuck that talked to the station master? Yep. So- I wasn't 100% sure on Starbuck. That was just a guess.
1: What I like about this this approach here is that Toe Cutter seems to be looking at the station master and he kinda has this like dopey expression on his face as if he's going to start talking to the station master, but he just kinda walks
0: right by him. Walks
1: right by. And so the station master kinda follows him with his gaze. And then Bubba's and Eddie and Starbuck come up like almost behind him and he kinda has to turn around because he doesn't expect them to be there.
0: Right. I noticed here and also throughout the rest of the minute, everything we see, specifically Toe Cutter, but others in addition, is a power move. Oh, yeah. Every motion that he makes, that Toe Cutter makes, is a power move. And so he walks past the station manager, station master, and then Bubba and Starbuck walk up to him, kind of, yeah, to the side of him. And forces the station master to kind of talk over his shoulder. And I'm very impressed with the station master because he does. He doesn't move um, until the very end when he starts to walk away. Yeah. So he is doing what he can to counter their power move. And I think it's fairly successful. Mm. And this whole time, since we first saw him perk up a minute or two ago, he seemed very calm and collected. I get the feeling that he has experience with gangs like this situations like this that yeah. he knows how to handle it and he's I think he's handling it very well.
1: The thing I like about the station master is that he's very reserved with his physical movements. He doesn't betray his he doesn't betray himself by moving too much.
0: Right. He I mean act if he or if like he that. does feel some anxiety or worry about what could happen in his interaction with this gang, he's he's showing us none of it.
1: He's unflinching. Yes. Is a good way to describe it.
0: Yes. And it's a lot easier if you're trying to hide worry or anxiety, it's easier to hide it by not moving at all rather than trying to make your motions look relaxed and calm. Yeah. So, I I I really like his performance in this scene. One thing I also love is that up till now, I didn't really realize he, I mean, I knew it, but he doesn't identify himself as the station master. They actually go through the conversation. Bubba does all the talking. Starbuck doesn't do anything. He just stands there.
1: Although you probably heard this when they walk up before Bubba starts talking, Starbuck cracks his knuckles.
0: Oh, I didn't catch that. He does
1: that. that he. You can't see his hands because right, they're you down, can but hear you can it, hear you can it, you can the pops. Okay. And then Bubba, of course, says good afternoon, and the station master has to turn around and and greet him back. And before we get too much into this dialogue, um, I just wanted to mention that Bubba Zanetti is played by Jeff Perry.
0: Keep it to a minimum. All
1: right. So his top four is Mad Max 1979. He played in Gallipoli as a sergeant in 1981. He was part of a 1985 miniseries called A Thousand Skies. And he was part of 1982's The Clinic where he played a character named Charlie. He was in four episodes of Homicide, six episodes of Prisoner Cell Block H, and another six episodes of Division 4. All right. Kept it to a minimum.
0: That was not a minimum. So back to the minute. Yep. Uh, they have an exchange, which is fairly polite, although the undertones are less so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't decide if Bubba is trying to keep temper under control or if he's just trying to be minimalistic in the way he's talking. It really could go either way. I watched his, the way he speaks to the agent a couple of times, and not really sure if, if, There are some times where it kind of looks like he's on the edge of being violent to get what he wants, get the information that he wants out of the agent. And other times I I see it as he's going through the motions and realizes that with this guy, you have to go the long way around. Mm -hmm. Because this guy, who we learn is the agent, because he says, well, you got to He says to Bubba... You gotta talk to the agent. You gotta sign for the coffin and talk to the agent. And Bubba's like, well, where can we find this agent? Mm. And the guy's like, hold on a second. And he's the agent. I swear. I wasn't like 100% sure that it was the same guy. So I went back and I like watched a lot. He goes and puts on a hat and now he's the agent. Yeah. So he's just being coy with with Bubba. And... uh, Which is ballsy because Bubba could have just, like, grabbed him by the neck and said, give me the information that I want. Yeah. And Bubba was very restrained and went the long way around with the agent. I
1: definitely felt that Bubba Zanetti was trying to keep his voice low to be menacing.
0: Yes. I Yeah.
1: But, because I think, like, the station master, he talks about... You know, he hears that they've come into town to see a friend that came on the train. Yes. And he says, well, we the only thing we got on the train was a couple of crates. And then he kind of laughs to he, himself and he yeah, says, he, like, coffin. grins. And, it's and like, a coffin. It's like he looks to Bubba Zanetti and he notices that Bubba Zanetti is not grinning. And he's like, like, oh, okay. Oh, okay maybe okay, I well, need to draw it back a little bit.
0: Yeah. And this guy seems to be, the agent seems to be like an intelligent sort of person. So, I think that he had already made the connection between we're here to meet a friend and the fact that the only person that came into town was the coffin.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think
0: he had already made that connection before he smiled.
1: I feel like when he... I feel
0: like he was prodding them a little.
1: I feel like he, he hears, okay, He's they're here to see a person. And then he goes over in his mind, okay, let's see, we got crates, we got a coffin... And I think as soon as he goes over in his mind, we got a couple of crates, and he's saying this, and then he says, oh, wait, you yeah, know, we did get a coffin. I guess that does kind of count as a person. And so that's where that laugh is. It's like, oh, yeah, technically, <laughs> it was a person.
0: Yes. So I, that's just... Having that reaction and that just little bit of sass mm-hmm. is really ballsy.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And I think I, I think that says a lot about his backstory. He has to have had life experience and he knows how to handle these people.
1: He does seem like it's a like, very well-traveled character. Yes,
0: like don't take them too seriously. Don't take them too lightly. There's a fine line in between where they will put up with you for a certain amount of time. But not take too much interest in you. Yeah, Because... If you don't amuse them, as we see by people who ran away, if you don't amuse them, they will find amusement from you. Yeah. So he amuses them like just enough. Oh, yeah.
1: He's towing that line. He
0: is. And it's very fun. He does a phenomenal job up to a point. I think in... is it. It's in the next minute where we see that he's no longer in yeah. control. But for right now, he's very much in control. Yeah.
1: Tomorrow he's going to say something to tip off the toe cutter.
0: Yeah, despite the power moves of the group who are surrounding him. And oh, we can't see toe cutter on Johnny the Boy. They've gone off screen, but I kind of imagine that they're still close enough to effectively create this circle around the agent.
1: Yeah. And I kind of like that they stayed in close on On just the three of of them. them.
0: Yes. We don't need to see what Toe Cutter and Johnny are doing Mm -hmm. because we already know the type of person that Toe Cutter is. He doesn't even have to be that close by for his intimidation to still have an effect on the agent.
1: Plus, when you think about it, if Toe Cutter was in that scene, if they had pulled out and it was the five of them, with Starbuck and Bubba on one side, Station Master in the middle, Toe Cutter and Johnny the boy on the other side, if you've got this layout and Bubba is the one that's talking...
0: It's like, why is Bubba the one talking?
1: Yeah, because Bubba's cutter. not in charge. Yeah, Toe, the toe
0: charge. Cutter is in charge.
1: So I think this is where we see... You know, Bubba Zanetti, I feel like he's the second in command. Yes, I think so. And
0: we see his we do see his authority, but only in the absence of toe cutter.
1: Yeah. And I think Starbucks probably wanted the muscle. Yeah. You got the you got the captain, you got the muscle, you got the squire, you got the 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 leader. (laughs) Did you notice in the background? Oh my goodness,
0: yes.
1: (laughs) The pink elephant. The
0: pink elephant. That was just that was phenomenal.
1: So the guy who like goes up and starts touching the elephant, that's Clunk. And then the guy who comes up and cuts it down for him, that's Diabondo.
0: Oh, okay. I assumed that they were background bikers. Nope. Okay, those are named characters. Okay. Yeah, the whole... And I can't wait to, now that I've noticed the pink elephant, to see if we ever see that pink elephant again. I'll bet we do.
1: I don't think it leaves town with them. Oh, no? But we definitely see it in later minutes. Yeah. And
0: plus, I mean, in a... In a scene where everything is a tone of gray and brown, a bright pink elephant's going to stand out. So, yeah. so if it shows like up, up again, we will definitely catch it.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot of washed out colors yes. in this movie Lots because of dirt. You know, it's the seventies too. Right.
0: Okay, so we get through the conversation between Bubba and the agent. He he turns to go inside as if he's going to go get the agent, mm-hmm. and then we jump to. The group on the...
1: Um, the train platform. Yes,
0: thank you. The train platform. And yeah. it's the same guy. Yeah. Wearing a hat.
1: I I love his outfit. I just love it. Because he's got this... He's got the the station master's hat. He's got his clipboard. He's just wearing, like, shorts. These other guys yeah. are, like, dressed in, like, leather and, like, protective and gear. And he's just kind of hanging out in shorts and work yeah. boots.
0: It's an in- interesting. I didn't think of it until I was thinking about the pink elephant. So his... Outfit, the station master, his outfit is like all tan and dirty and everything. It's very monochromatic. And then he puts on this like solid blue hat. Yeah. uh, In direct contrast with like every other color.
1: Because the first hat we saw him wearing was the same color as his clothing. Right. Was that kind of net? Was the
0: the net hat because he was sleeping. The blue hat really comes more into play in the next minute. Mm -hmm. But the introduction of the blue hat. And maybe how much it stands out because it is a more saturated color, not necessarily bright, but more saturated. It represents his particular level of authority. Right. He didn't put the hat on until he admitted that he was and the that station. Master. He was the one that they were looking for. Right. That they needed to get the coffin and get everything squared away and get out of town. Yeah. Um. So the blue hat is definitely a. A token of his authority. Yeah,
1: yeah, and him playing coy about, oh, I have to go get the the agent to sign the papers, like that. That's, that's why people don't like public servants. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like be, stuff I, like that.
1: Little I obst- felt like little that obstructive was, jokes like that is why people get frustrated I, at the DMV. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I felt like that was more of his, of his sass. Oh yeah, I, it was more of the grinning before mentioning the coffin. Yeah, and. Yeah, more of his sass. Mm-hmm.
1: So this train station that they're walking into, that is the Clunes train station. Okay,
0: so it's still same town.
1: So same town. Okay. Same place. And um, it's updated. It doesn't look the same.
0: That's too bad because it's very classic.
1: The Classic
0: um, train station.
1: The walls have got a nice brick treatment now. The pillars are still there, but they've got different little toppers. The roof is pretty much still the same. It's still got those little smokestacks or whatever they're supposed to be. Vents. Um, But the whole thing just it's colored different nowadays. The interesting thing about the Clunes station is that it is over a kilometer south of the scene that we just saw. Oh. Like physically speaking. Yeah. They would have had to walk about 15-20 minutes to get from where they started to where they are here. Yeah. And I want to bring that up because on Friday, there's going to be a a shot of Toe Cutter at the train station, and then Toe Cutter shows up on that road, and the direction he comes from versus the direction where the train station actually physically is in real life, it's... It's going to be an interesting observation of how, what kind of world that you know Miller and Kennedy were trying to paint here as far as geography is concerned. Okay. Because if he had actually run from the train station to the main street, he would have come from a completely different direction. But uh. we'll talk about that on Friday.
0: Okay, so they're walking down the platform. There's a moment where they transition from looking at the group head on to looking at Toe Cutter kind of over his shoulder from behind. There's a noise. Oh, yeah. What the heck is that noise? It sounds like a train stopping, but there's no trains on the tracks that we can see. Yeah. So, and do you know what it is?
1: I'm not quite sure what it is. I called it an audio sting because that's what it sounded like. Um, hold on.
0: I'm just, I was at a loss to what purpose it served, um, it. I mean, it was at the moment where they showed us the coffin.
1: It's kind of like a, a modulated scream with a bit of electronic reverb on the back end.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it could have been like to accentuate the reveal of the coffin, but we already knew the coffin existed. We already knew that they were going towards the coffin. You know, it wasn't any sort of surprise reveal.
1: I think what's surprising about this reveal is the size of the coffin, which they actually call attention to in the dialogue.
0: Right. That it that there's that it's small, that there's not much left. Mm-hmm.
1: In the in the shot where it's them head on, the station master stops and then turns as if to say something to the toe cutter, and the second time in this minute, the toe cutter just, just walks, walks right, right by him. By him. Another yep. power move.
0: Yep, absolutely. I I'm still kind of stuck on this audio cue. Yeah. Because It could also be, it could be not the reveal of the coffin for us, but the reveal of the coffin for Toe Cutter. Mm. But the actual audio is still, that's not the sort of sound that you use when you reveal a coffin to a person. Yeah. It's just odd. It's just so bizarre. I don't understand it at all.
1: One thing that I kind of like about this movie is that there are a lot of audio cues that surround the toe cutter specifically. Um, we talked about when he was telling everyone to rev their engines that there was a bit of a orchestral swell yes. when he did that. When he sees the coffin, or when we see him seeing the coffin, there's an audio sting there. Um, tomorrow, there's a little bit where... I call it an air raid siren. I'm going to bring it up again tomorrow. But there are little audio cues cues that go along with the toe cutter and it's kind of a, a special thing that i've noticed in these minutes that we're mm-hmm. that we're doing this week where it, it it's special to him
0: yes i guess so i'm not buying it yeah. but not in this i am buying it that sounds great and you know that's how you, that's how you make good movies. It's just the actual audio that they used for this part just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's in reference to. I don't know. I don't get it. Um, so we see, we don't get to really see any of his reaction to seeing the coffin. I mean, he breaks away from the group. You know, brushing past the station master. We don't see his face or yeah. anything. And we actually don't see him again until like halfway through the next minute. Yeah. So we cut back to looking at the main group without Toe Cutter in the shot. The agent says they didn't leave very much of him. Um, <laughs> again, very cheeky. Yeah. The same sort of attitude that we have seen consistently so far. Yeah. And that that ends the minute for us. He's not
1: wrong. When he says, that must be your friend there, didn't leave much of him, he's not wrong. There no. Is, it's not a full-size coffin. But at the same time, this might not be the best crowd to be workshopping right. your stand-up material.
0: Right. Like, it was an inappropriate comment.
1: Yeah. Based on the intensity that he's getting from Bubba Zanetti.
0: Yes. And, I mean, anytime... These are obviously his, quote-unquote, next of kin. They're the ones who have come to claim him. Yeah. Yeah. So there were the people who were closest to him in his life, and you're joking about like, it? Like, has, how much is left of his body?
1: I don't think... Like, that's
0: not cool. I mean, it's funny.
1: I don't know if station masters necessarily have bedside manner in no, the traditional sense of the term. No. But and, he's got horrible bedside manner.
0: Yes. And I'm <laughs> fine with the comment in in this setting, because it goes along with his character, of his sass and his cheekiness. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you really think about it, it's quite an inappropriate comment. Yeah.
1: Like, can you imagine, like, if that had been like a normal family pulling up with a hearse behind them to claim a body? Right. What and he'd he be had- all like, "Well, yeah, no, not much left of them there." And it's like, dude, like, seriously? Yeah. Too no, soon. he
0: never would have said anything like that.
1: Like, <laughs> I don't. I don't think he's ever heard the phrase "too soon." Yeah. <laughs> he strikes me as that kind of guy. <laughs> Like, dude, reel it back a little bit. Yeah. I mean...
0: Having said that, I still very much like him as a character. Oh, yeah. And that definitely fits his character.
1: Yeah, he is is a funny little character. Yes. His statement, however untasteful and poorly timed, does kind of make me wonder how much of the Knight Rider was left. Because he blew up. He He, did. He he done exploded.
0: He did. (laughs) But, I mean... I think it depends more on how his remains were treated after the crash more than the crash itself. Yeah. Because if they wanted to, like, they could have picked through and, like, gotten all of his bones and stuff. And yes, it was a big explosion, but I'll bet you it wasn't... It was all show and no substance. So it's not like he was sitting in that car burning for a period of time. I'll bet you the fire died down pretty quick. Yeah. Because it was... Because it burned up so fast with a great display, I think it would have burned up quick. So I'll bet you that there was still plenty of flesh on his skeleton. This is really quite morbid talk. I think the small coffin is a combination of two things. One, that the style of coffin is very different than the style of coffin that we have seen in our dealings with family passing. You know, the type of coffin that we see nowadays is much larger. Yeah. Um, not the case with with um i guess old fashioned yeah. style coffins where it's just barely big enough to hold the body
1: because I imagine with with this coffin specifically it looks to be about the length i'd say four feet
0: well, I think there are also some perspective issues
1: because when we, we see it later on. We do. so. I in the think back of a pickup truck. And, t- and Toe Cutter just kind of has it resting against his shoulder.
0: I think that we should reevaluate the size of the coffin when we see it in a different setting. Because I think, yes, it is not a large coffin. Yeah. But I think here there might be some perspective messing with our judgment on yeah. its size.
1: It definitely looks smaller than you know when you watch older movies older cowboy movies like Tombstone right and the quick and the dead you know they have they always have a coffin maker in town
0: right and it's and it's the same style coffin like kind of the diamond shape where it's just wide around the shoulders and then starts to angle in towards the feet yeah
1: tapers in towards the head and the feet yeah yes
0: so it's simply that style coffin if the body had burned down to where it was really just a skeleton... Where it was
1: on brewing, on glowing. Right. They really could
0: have just, like, piled the bones yeah. into, you know, a four-foot coffin. Yeah. But I...
1: Or even, like, a coffee tin, if it burned down enough.
0: Yes. But I just don't think that the, the explosion would have done that to him. Yeah. I think the explosion would have burned hot and fast and then been done.
1: Yeah. I think... When I think of an explosion, I think of the Mythbusters... And when I think of Mythbusters' explosions, I think, of course, of their dummy, Buster. Right. And the way he just blows apart into pieces. So I imagine that they probably just so found you think, what they could.
0: Okay, so you think he was blown <laughs> apart into pieces. It was a very violent explosion. Yeah. That would make sense, that he's maybe fleshy still, but just piled in there.
1: Yeah. Maybe they came through with like a cleanup crew with a bucket and a shovel or something like that. Right. But you know what really is sad about this? Toe Cutter is showing up here to reclaim the body of the Knight Rider and bring it somewhere. Marmaduke doesn't get anybody.
0: Right, she's not even mentioned anymore.
1: Yeah, she just kind of disappears entirely. No one ever inquires after her. Nope. No one cares about her. She she had a, a one you know crazy ride and then disappeared into obscurity. That's it is possible.
0: Sad. It is possible that she was on a different train going somewhere else, so that her kid could claim her. That's true. I'd, I'd like to believe that. I'm Th- gonna go with that story.
1: You know, I like that story a lot better than mine because it's a lot less depressing. Yeah. You know,
0: because everyone should be claimed by somebody.
1: Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe there's a much more involved story than her just helping him bust out of prison. Right. You know,
0: because I mean, we've talked before about there must be some kind of backstory. It had to have had some sort of relationship Mm -hmm. Before this moment. And she came from somewhere. So I'm going to say that she went back to where she came from.
1: I'd like to think that there's, you know, a nice shady spot on top of a hill underneath an oak tree with a simple (laughs) headstone. Just says, well, it wouldn't say Knight Rider's girl or anything like that. It would say her
0: actual name. Her
1: actual name that she wasn't given by whoever wrote the credits for this movie. Yeah. (laughs) One can dream, right? Yes. One can dream. Alright, so on that Hopeful Hopeful slash depressing note <laughs> Our website is madmaxminute.com You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash madmaxminute.
0: Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 22 We will see you tomorrow Motorbikes and mellow men Take me to the end of the dream Hold on tight so it's your feeling.